think of his grace and his mercy And oh yeah, how he loves me All I can do is thank him for blessing me He shows me from the hurt and the pain A touch from him and you will never be the same Yes, I gotta thank him for saving me I thank him for my blessings every day that I wake up. We were born into this sin, but he decided to save us. Wasn't grateful for my life, but now I thank him every night. Because without him, I'd be lost. Now the problem has been solved. I remember all the lies and all the times that I disguised. But now his greatness and his mercy was revealed until my eyes. I'm so alive, I rose up from the dead survive. I cannot help but give him praise. You should come along for the ride. All right, everybody. I want to thank you guys for joining us for another episode of the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study. I'm your host, Coach Chelsea, and I'm super excited to have another conversation, another hour of growth with some amazing servant leaders. And today is like none other. We have servant leader Seth Olson with us. Got connected. It's just amazing how God connects people. Was doing a podcast with, you know, some family members and friends of his. They told me I had to meet them and there's no stranger that I will ever meet. So there was no reason. And as soon as I reached out, we definitely made it happen in God's time. He is a former NFL guard playing for multiple teams, and he is now a mentor assistant coach at Deer Valley High School. I'm so excited to have this conversation, an amazing servant leader, and I know that he's going to help us all grow within this hour. So Seth, thank you for being here, man. I thank you for your time. I tell people time is that one thing in life that we can't give back once it's given, so I thank you for it, man. And I'm going to pass the torch to you to say hello to our listeners, and we get this conversation started. I appreciate it, Chelsea. You're right. Time is a precious resource and uh, it's something that we got to hold on to and be selective with how we use it. So I'm really appreciate the time to have with you today. And um, I think as I was getting ready to to come on last night, when I was thinking about um, what I might say, I was just appreciating the challenge. I think that's one thing you, you can kind of get when uh, it's easy to get um, stagnant uh, when you're not opening yourself up to different people and, and whatnot. So I appreciate the challenge. I think even as I come on and talking to you, um, it provides me. So I'm looking forward to that. For sure. I like that. I never looked at it that way. You know, a lot of times as, you know, leaders, sometimes we kind of can get out of our comfort zone and we won't step up to the challenge, but I love that. I appreciate the challenge. And I think if we do that every day, that's how we grow in discomfort. Mm-hmm. We begin to grow. So definitely already a nugget starting in the first couple of minutes. <laughs> But do me a favor, Seth, just kind of talk to our listeners a little bit. Give us a background um, for those that may not have followed your career and just you as a person. Um, Amazing things as I read up on you and learn about you. Just talk to our listeners a little bit about your athletic journey and your journey leading up to kind of where you are today. So I was fortunate uh, coming out of high school. I had a full ride to the University of Iowa. I played offensive line there for four and a half seasons. uh, And after uh, getting my degree and and uh, training for the draft, I was able to uh, to get drafted in the NFL. I went in fourth round and, um, you know, I, my wife and I smile and laugh about it now. Like, you know, we thought, oh, fourth round, we'll be here a couple of years. So we bought a house and whatnot. And then, you know, we learned quickly about um, how life in the NFL is, you know, not the, uh, um, nothing, there's nothing guaranteed, I guess. So yeah, we, sure. uh, you know, we bounced around a couple different teams. I uh, was able to play for five years, mostly a backup, played starting five games in my career. You know, when you're playing, you want to play a lot. Um, 
means you're having a good career and whatnot. Uh, but I really um, enjoyed the time I had and the connections I made while I was playing. You know, I don't keep in touch with all the guys, you know, maybe just a handful of guys from the league and then some guys from college. But I really enjoyed those relationships when I had them and learned a lot in the process. And uh, so, and then, you know, after uh, five years, kind of a little dinged up, um, I didn't want to chase it. I've seen a lot of guys chase it and keep pursuing it. At that point, I had, uh, you know, I've been married for a few years. I had two kids and um, I decided that my wife's career should take um, the front seat. And uh, she was a nurse and she kind of put her career on hold a little bit. So um, I decided to hang it up and pursue something else. I love that. And I think one of the amazing parts that you show is that not only have you been showing yourself as a leader in the athletic realm, but you're leading at home. And, you know, I, I love to talk about that portion. Um, there's a servant leader and coach, Willie Spears. And one of the things that he talks about is winning at home. So, you know, as we delve into a little bit more about servant leadership and who you are, I was also reading and told, you know, that you spent some time as a FCA director. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? I love FCA. I think it has been, yes, I peep it. I peep the hat. Um, I love FCA and what it does for our athletes. Can you talk, talk to us a little bit about your time in that position and how, you know, you were able to help athletes and what that did for you as a leader? Yeah, so, I, you know, I wasn't involved with FCA in college. Uh, we had Athletes in Action, which was very similar, sports ministry, and that had a big impact on me. I, I learned how I could worship God through my sport. And I grew up in the church. Uh, so I, you know, naively thought you could only worship God by singing songs. But I, you know, I learned that in college that I could worship God through my sport and it completely changed that just whole mindset of, of playing for an audience of one for me. And I just, you know, it just kind of leads into FCA because I think everybody has a platform. Um, you know, your, your platform here is on this, you know, as a educator and as a coach and on this, uh, on this podcast, but, you know, everybody has a different platform and no, no one is necessarily better than the other, but, um, you know, when you're an athlete, you have a unique platform and then playing in the NFL, um, even if you're not a big name guy, just the, the shield itself, the NFL shield carries a lot of credibility, whether it should or not. Um, you know, that's another debate for another time, but it gives you a lot of, opens a lot of doors and, so when I was playing, I had a lot of opportunities, both in college and the NFL, to speak to a lot of different groups, high school groups, teams, um, coaches, men's Bible studies, whatever. And so I, that's one thing I really tried to utilize while I was playing. And then uh, when I was trying to transition out to see what I wanted to do, I really kind of felt like God was leading me in this direction and got the push from my wife that I needed and um, kind of pursued that, you know, it's it's like a, being a missionary, you know, you raise your own support and all that jazz. But um, so it's definitely a challenge in that way. And uh, but it's good. To, it's good to get stretched. And um, I really loved the opportunity to meet with coaches, um, teachers and coaches, you know, and then the student athletes trying to help them start Bible studies on their campus at a public school. Um, I think it's an incredible thing to to be able to do and, and something I still do in different ways as a teacher now uh out here in phoenix so um it's kind of funny i like as an fca rep you know i would go to the teachers and go to the coaches and spend time with them and to empower them and now i basically in my 
third career now. I put myself in that position as a teacher and a coach and kind of try to live that out. I think that's awesome. And, you know, I've been a part of FCA as a student athlete and then also as an educator and a coach. And it, it truly is amazing. And especially seeing when we, you know, establish it and now watch our young people be able to lead those things and it becomes a part of just their everyday life. They don't need us anymore. Like watching them truly take it on and true to form on their own. Is there such an amazing feat? You know, at what point did FCA kind of bridge that gap? But at what point did you realize you wanted to step into education for yourself and coaching for yourself? Talk to us a little bit about that, bridging that gap from being the athlete to now becoming the educator and the coach and leading the young men that you do every day. That's actually tougher to transition to because when, when they're out competing, I want to go out and compete with them. You know? <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, sometimes I run with them, you know, I want to really put them to work. But I think uh, when I when I was still an FCA rep, I started coaching. First, it was uh, I was doing chapel for a team, uh, either organizing or, or speaking, uh, you know, just as in an FCA role kind of being a chaplain for this team uh, in uh, high school in Parker, Colorado, uh, where we were living. And then that, that off season, they had a suicide on the team. And that's part of my story. I lost my brother to suicide in 2012. And, and the Colts, the Indianapolis Colts, who I was playing for at the time, were so supportive. And that's why I, that's the only team I really um, care to follow at all in the NFL. Uh, because they were so supportive through that time for me. and But anyway, so that coach, he knew that was part of my story. And so he asked me to come speak to the team the next morning. And I did and kind of shared some insights with them about, you know, how don't ask the why, because that's just, that's such a big, hard question that you'll just wrestle with to, to infinity. And so ask the, what does this mean for me? And how do I respond? And and even asking those questions of myself in that moment um, and talking with my wife, I felt like, hey, I need to invest in this team. So I started coaching just part time, a couple days a week and on game days and still doing the chapels. And then we started doing team dinners with another church nearby. Um, and, you know, we found out that was like a, just an environment where those players loved. That was one of the highlights of their season. We'd, you know, we'd feed them, we'd play games, spend time, hang out together and and just as a big team, you know, and not doing school or football stuff, I don't know how often that you really get to do that. And so kind of started with that. And then um, I, you know, got a, this every year went by, I've invested myself more and more. And, you know, that's something that we always enjoyed as a family that, you know, my kids would be around there and my wife when she's was, wasn't working like, and just, it's just good for them to see, because even though I'm living in the burbs at the time in, in Colorado, like, the, you know, it's still, um, and there it's like an iceberg, you know, most of the iceberg is below the surface and there's a lot of issues. Um, they're just not as evident and it's still good for even those guys to see, Hey, this is what a stable family looks like. This is what, you know, a healthy family looks like. And so anyway, started there and then just progressed more and more. And I realized, you know, I, I was only spending the season with them, um, but I wouldn't be around at all in the off season. And I, so I want to invest myself more um, into the lives of those student athletes, you know, by being a teacher and a coach uh, at the same high school. And so um, I pursued that. And right around that time, my wife and I 
decided to move to back to the Phoenix area where she grew up. Um, and so we could be close to her folks and brother and we have three kids and it's just hard. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we, and then, so that's kind of the aim that we went towards. And so I've been teaching now for three years down here, all down here. And, you know, I, I coach at this high school. It's about 10 minutes from my house. And we do a lot of the same things. We do a chapel for the football team, um, pregame chapel. We do team dinners. We host them at our house and, you know, first year was just the uh, linemen and now we invite the whole team and it's been a great, great environment just to kind of model, um, you know, servant, serving your team, but also um, just building that camaraderie, which I think is the personally the two things I love most about athletics as an athlete is the competition and the camaraderie and, um, being able to do those team dinners again, involving my family and and everything has been a, been a great thing. Um, and so that's where we're at now. I think that's awesome. And I think you definitely pinpointed exactly what I love about athletics and teams of any type that builds that you're able to, you know, show them being a family man, you're able to show them, you know, exhibit, you know, not only what you teach, they're watching you. When you host those family dinners at your home, they're watching you be a husband, be a dad. And not only that, the same things that you've done. And it's amazing how the stages of our lives, we never know how they'll carry over, you know, but it was almost second nature that now that you're coaching these young men, you continue chapel. You're able to continue to do those things for them. And I can only imagine how that enhances them as young men um, and even the students you teach, young men, women and young men, um, to be able to have that type of person in you, which is amazing. And of course, naturally, as we lead, especially in the spiritual aspect, but in coaching and education, trust me, I'm with you there. <laughs> uh, you know, there's days we come home, we're drained, right? There's so many stories that these athletes and these students have to basically pour out to you on a day-to-day -day basis. I tell people sometimes, you know, we always say, oh, they're kids, they don't know. Sometimes these kids, they go through things that I'm just like, whoa, I'm grown. And I don't know if I'd wrap my head around that, you know, and I know for me personally, that leaves me empty on most days. So how do you make sure one of the things I love to say is spiritually fit? How do you make sure you stay spiritually fit in the midst of pouring out every single day to ensure you're ready for the next battle, honestly, because every day we go out there on the court, the field, in the classroom, we're battling. So how do you make sure you stay spiritually fit to be ready for the next day? I think, um, you know, I had, sometimes I'm, I'm really rocking and rolling and I have a great uh, rhythm and routine with doing a quiet time and, and studying the word. And then other times I'm just, you know, it's just not there. And I, I think it's good to forgive yourself in those moments when you're maybe not, there's some ebbs and flows to that. Uh, but I think, one thing that helps with that is memorizing scripture. So even if you're not actually open the Bible to be able to flip it on in your mind um, and, and walk through some of those scriptures that um, maybe your go-tos um, like my favorite one, I like when I signed autographs, um, I always put this on there, Romans 5, 8. I love that, that God demonstrates his own love for, for us. Um, even though we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I think I even butchered that a little bit, but um, you know, I think just having some of those scriptures, um, 
present of mind and that you can go to. I know there's, um, I'm definitely not perfect. And, you know, with talking about my players seeing me be a dad, my kids are around. They're at, they were just, they were just with me all morning at football this morning at weight, summer weight. So they see me with those kids more often than not. And um, I think, you know, being grounded in the word and, and having that, those verses in your mind is important, but also studying the word or, you know, having some different rhythms there. And, and then um, just kind of praying at different times. Like there's some moments, you know, when I'm in school, I'm, I'm really uh, mindful about it, uh, that I'll be praying while I'm in the classroom and stuff. And, um, or at the beginning or at the end of a long day. Um, so I guess I don't have any one, concrete this is the way for me um but i know i guess different i'm not a big fan of the word seasons other than we're talking sports or uh changing of the weather but um i'll just use it here if we're in different seasons where you know it this is working for us great and then uh, there's other moments this is working for us, hey that's it's good to be flexible and um be able to adjust on the fly i agree with you I totally agree with you there. And if we're all honest, even if we do try to have a routine, there's going to always be something to throw that thing off. But I think, you know, my grandparents and my mom used to always call it, you know, keep a scripture in your heart, baby. That's that's how they would put that thing for me. And, and you're right. Like if there are go-tos, right, if they're the ones that we keep connected to us, even when we do, as you mentioned, have an ebb and flow, it's with me. It walks with me at work. It walks with me in my home and I'm connected. It's like I'm rooted. And if I'm rooted to it, no matter if I can't have as much quiet time as I did the day before, I'm I'm rooted. So I'm going to always be able to come back to it. And I think that's amazing. I think it it just truly helps in how we move. Yeah. And I was, it reminded me like something my wife did for me. It just was was huge in training camp while I was playing football. Like, you know, that's like the worst part of sports like when you're right. in camp and there's like no light at the end of the tunnel and you're just it's really much more mental than physical and uh and you know like you're quarantined off in a at a college you know with your team and whatnot and just you know you don't see your family much it's tough but like something that she did for me that was awesome at that time so like 10 11 years ago was she sent me a scripture every day and I just like memorized it just, and, you know, I was just, I was just writing that. And then in, um, in like warmups and practice, I would just kind of play those over in my mind and just kind of help, you know, um, that's just something I did then. Again, this is not like a, I do this all the time thing, but I, I remember that that was huge for me. And that really kind of kicked me off in memorizing scripture with all that extra time to think that can really mess you up. Um, I was able to put good things into my mind um, and where um, it didn't have a, all that extra time to think didn't have a negative effect on me, which it can. No, for sure. Uh, and definitely when you're able to have that, just like you said, there is a commercial. I always do this like the very first week with my students. and I just go through a list of commercials and I'll just say the first part. And they'll always finish it, right? Because that's just what happens. Sometimes it's almost involuntary. We could walk through the house, a commercial comes on, and I I, I, I forget which one it was on. I was walking to the kitchen the other day, and just it was on, and I sung it. 
because it's all, it's in you. You've heard it over and over and it's in you. And when you can do that, I think your wife was definitely onto something because when you were able to write them down and read over them and doing that daily, I don't care if it's, it's even now 11 years later, we may not have it word for word, but we'll know. Mm -hmm. I know as my pastor would say, somewhere over there in John, it says, you know, we know where to find it and we know what its intent was for us to be able to have it in our hearts. And I think that's such an amazing thing for us. I really do. And, and it's just like anything else though, you know, plays, right? We're all in sports, no matter which one they are. You can move away. I'm pretty sure you can move away, but you can remember some of the plays from when you were at Iowa or in the NFL, you know, it may have to take you a minute to go back and say, okay, what did he do? What did he do? But it's there. And I tell people all the time, just like a normal storm, I'm in Florida, okay? So we are approaching hurricane season. And the fact of the matter is we don't wait until the newscaster says, hey, you know, hurricane such and such is headed your way to be ready. We start preparing. And one of those things that keeping those scriptures in our hearts do for us is it allows us to always be prepared when the storms of life do come or those circumstances that those scriptures apply to. So I think that's amazing, Seth. I really do. That's a good nugget. Thank you. <laughs> you're I mean, you're right. We you always have we had this. We had this uh, uh, outside the practice fields at Iowa, just, you know, looking around when you're tired and it, we had a slogan preparing to be the best. It was just, you know, preparation, how important that is and whatnot. And, but you're right. I, that's a good way. I hadn't thought about it that way. And um, preparing for the storms, you, you put that scripture in your mind and you don't, you don't, maybe I, I got this memorized. I don't know why I need it now, uh, but when I do need it, I'll know to turn to it. See, there you go. I love it. You know, I think about, you say you have three little ones. Yep. And so I think about that. And again, talking about leading at home and all that good stuff. And it just, this just came to me in these moments because of the practices you and your wife has, uh, you know, how do you find yourself kind of implementing those things into you know your babies uh i don't even know their ages i just i don't care even my older nieces <laughs> and nephews they're always my babies but how do you find yourself kind of implementing those things into your children and then i'm pretty sure you watch them sometimes i was listening to a joyce meyer podcast and she was talking about how her grandson uh her daughter-in-law wasn't feeling well and i think she said her grandson was three and he just went over to her put his hand on her and said god mommy ouchie help and it was amazing because it's like, here's this three-year-old. I don't know the full words to say, but I watched somebody pray, you know? Mm -hmm. And sometimes even if we're not voluntarily and directly trying to teach them something, they pick things up. But how do you and your wife kind of instill those values into your three young people? Yeah, I, th I think the, so our, the kids' school, so they, we switched them to a Christian school this uh, during this last year with everything going on. And just, there's some different things I won't get into, but they had a, a uh, basically a, like a reading challenge, a Bible reading challenge. And so they were, um, you know, their incentive was there's an ax throwing uh, bar in town and they came to the kids school and they would teach all the elementary kids how to throw an ax if they read every guy, you know, so we did it. We, I, you know, they're kindergarten, second and fourth grade. And we, you know, we would, sometimes we'd read it. Sometimes we'd listen on the way to school or way home from school or what, you know, but it was like a gospel a day for four, a chapter a day for like, um, 
four months, you know, sometimes we're listening to five in one day because we were a little behind, you know, it's um, that happens, but uh, you, that it's a good practice to start, you know, cause even now, you know, like I've read maybe cover to cover two or three times, but you know, it's just, it's just good to uh, even if you've read cover to cover, you know, it's not like some, that's one book, you know, I'm not a big repeat reader of books. That's one book you're going to be reading, you know, who knows how many times cover to Come cover. Come on now. <laughs> yes. It's it's one of those that you just need to learn at a young age how to get in that rhythm. Um, and so, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a chapter. It could be, you know, when I was doing, again, sometimes my routine is great. And and sometimes they see that, you know, my kids will sometimes will be like, oh, dad, I want to do, read the Bible with you in the morning. And, um, you know, that might last for a couple of days. And then they're like, okay, I want to sleep in. But, you know, <laughs> Um, but you know just I think if they can see you do it then it becomes um I guess to put it more simply I've heard this said you probably heard this said too more is caught than it's taught and I just think when they see you doing it that's um that's that's better than you saying hey let's go do this no if they see you doing it and see it's important in your life then it's something they'll probably want to repeat as well and so you know that that kind of happens. And then like when we pray, we, we, uh, we, uh, when we eat together as a family or, uh, whatnot at night, um, uh, we, we don't, the, my wife and I, we usually don't pray. We're like, all right, who wants to pray? And then one of the kids will raise their hand or maybe we'll ask them. And, and I think like you mentioned with, I think it was your, your nephew, I think, or that you said that did the prayer, right? No, that was, that was a podcast. It was oh, Joyce Myers. Oh, Joyce Myers. Yeah. Okay. So, like, but I think the beautiful thing about that you know, it's, it's such like, we, sometimes we overcomplicate, you know, our prayers and we, we want to sound eloquent and all this and that. And, and I love the innocence of that, you know, that prayer, uh, you don't have to be able to speak in a complicated manner, you know, or with all this eloquent speech, you can just, you're just talking to God. It's just having a conversation. We don't have to uh, impress people with the words we say. And, and, and with a kid, kids aren't trying to do that, you know, and, it's, you know, it's sometimes it's just thanks for the day and for this food and amen, you know, and, um, but I think just having that, that mindset and that, that heart and kind of instilling those kind of, Hey, it's important to pray. And obviously, you know, not just mealtime, but, um, you know, if something big's going on, we might, we might say, Hey, let's pray for so-and-so. And, um, but I think just some of those spiritual disciplines, maybe the more common ones, you know, I'm not trying to teach my five-year-old to fast, you know, uh, but um, I, I think, I think some of those common ones that I think you'll probably need your whole life, those are, are ones that are important to, to teach and worship, you know, and, and really, I think one of the most important ones, and it's maybe not seen as a, I don't know if it's seen as a discipline and maybe if I read my Richard Foster spiritual disciplines book, maybe it would say it and maybe it wouldn't, but the, uh, the value of community, like being in a group of believers, not necessarily just a church, but like a, like a small group or a community group, whatever you like to call it. Like that is a really important thing. And, um, and that's something that we have that's been just, I can't even, it's just been huge for us. You know, when you're going through ups and downs, whether, we live in Colorado. We had a great community group and we found a great one here too in Phoenix. And that's been, uh, instrumental for us. And that, and it's just like that for the kids too. So I guess modeling some of those things, I'll shut up now. I think I'm rambling. 
No, I think it's huge though, because that, so I don't, we didn't get to talk about this, Seth, sorry, um, prior to coming on, uh, but I am actually uh, preparing to have my first kid, okay, of my own. Oh, I mean, I have thousands sweet. of kids Congrats. from my years of teaching, but yes, and so even now, it's amazing what you said, that modeling, because even now, like, I'll find myself, it's not planned. It's because I pray myself throughout the day, and so I'll find myself, like, saying, okay, well, girl, you know, and it's almost like I'm, you're in this, you're in me. So we, we are praying, you know what I'm saying? And it's just yeah. amazing because it's just one of those things, like you said, you will find them saying, Hey daddy, I want to do Bible study with you. And you probably weren't even seeing that they were paying attention. It's just like, okay, come on, you know, but the other portion you said that at two is a lot of times individuals, they, they get inferior to prayer because they feel prayer has to be this glossed up huge thesis. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. like, even the word would tell us like, you know, don't do like the talk too much Gentiles, depending on, yep. you know, which way you read it and which version, but it's like, you don't have to do all that. And I think you're right. That honesty in that prayer. And that's the same thing I got when I heard her say that about her grandson, it was just like, yes, the purity of that. I don't know all the words to speak. Yeah. However, I do know who needs to heal mommy. So, and the, the amazing part about that is God understood it. And if he can understand a three-year-old who could really just say, mommy, ouchie, help, he can definitely understand us just by saying, God, I need you help. And so I think you're so right in that. Just the purity of the prayers that reach him. He didn't need all that. <laughs> I laugh sometimes and I'm like, I could just see him saying, Chelsea, get to it. I know what you need. <laughs> just ask me. <laughs> but that's amazing, man. I, I just think that's awesome. And I'd love to ask that too you know, coaches who are also, as I keep saying with Coach Willie Spears, who's a servant leader, winning at home. And, and it's evident that you're doing that. You know, prayer, we talk about storms, we talk about life, and we know that life has its, as you said, ebb and flows. They just really do. And we have those highs, but we also have those valleys. They're going to come. It's just, it's just what happens. How do you handle those and continue to keep your faith? You know, a lot of times, faith with individuals can be consistent with how well things are going at the time. Mm -hmm. How do you make sure that your faith remains intact and how can you be sure that that same God that you know is good in the good is the same God that's still good even when things don't feel as good for us? Yeah, I I think for some people that, you know, I'm not a big science guy or whatever and so I don't... um, trying to think how to put this i some people are a science really guy i'm a science woman get it right See, Seth. There you are. <laughs> uh yeah my wife's my wife's my wife is she's a nurse practitioner so she's definitely is uh but that's right i'm a social science guy political science guy but anyway, anyways i guess what i'm trying to say is i'm okay not knowing everything all the answers to everything and why this and why that and if, if it, it's that's fine with me like I don't need to understand and comprehend and kind of think like we shouldn't be able to explain away or comprehend every thing about God I mean if he's if we could explain everything like is he as great as he says he is like I so I I'm okay with not knowing every single thing and and why and this and that I, but some people aren't and so I know that's a struggle for a lot of people um, that that really want to, and so I don't know why science matters in that. I just think that uh, a lot of times uh, ac- academically you can look at things and 
Um, if you can't um, analytically explain it all, it's, it's, it can be tough to swallow. And, and for me, that's, that's just not a, an issue, but um, that's one thing that comes to mind. And then, um, and then uh, trying to take back to your question. So how to remain intact. Yeah. Just how do we keep that faith intact when, you know, people will say, well, yeah, it's good for you to say he's good and he's this and he's that when things are good for you. But at the same time too, when I'm in a storm, as we talked about before, how do we, as you said, and you've answered it, how do we make sure that we stay stable to know that he still is going to show up in those moments? Yeah, I think I'll just use an example from my own life. Um, so like with my brother, so it was 2000, July 16, 2012, is when I found out he uh, took his own life. And, and, you know, that obviously like the, you know, if you heard this, song praise you in the storm kind of thing um sure. you know you're not sure you're not like overjoyed in those moments you know you're, there's definitely a grieving and maybe even a wrestling with god like um i think it's jacob does with with god um you know and then god shows him hey i'm the champ here you know but <laughs> that's like, right in those moments like hey it's okay to like grieve and to, even to have those full range of emotions uh, but but to at the end know that God is not working against you; He's for you. And you know it, it's, it says it all over Scripture. Um, whether you have those memorized or not, you you've just if you've been in the Word at all, you know it says it. Um, and if not, you can search for it and and trust in it. And I need to trust in other people and and their sound advice in those circumstances, which is definitely something that I do. Um, but I so I you know I think. I don't know how people go through life and go through those tough, tough moments. I mean, I'm sure you've been through some, and you know, a lot of listeners have been through some really tough times. Um, and I don't know how to, you can go through life and not have someone God to depend on, you know, cause people will let you down. Like I'm not, I screw up. I'm a, there's some days I'm just a terrible dad. I'm a terrible husband and terrible this or that. But you know, like I'm going to fail, you know, my family at different times, but, you know, God will not fail them in the end. He was, he is there with them. Wonderful counselor, friend, God, the, all those, all those adjectives and names to describe him. Um, he is there through all of that. And, you know, so when I can't be, they can trust and I can trust, you know, when they're not there for me and I'm not there, for, they can trust, I can trust that, God will be there for me. And so I, I might not have a super fancy anecdote. I just know that God is with me and that's enough for me. Come um, on. That don't, no, that's that bump fancy. That was it. And I think it's almost like if somebody were to tell you, I always tell my kids this, we talk about these, those intangibles. Okay. I tell people the intangibles in life, that's what gets me. That's when you win me over. That's when you're good with me, when you can do the intangibles. And I tell my kids all the time, you know, okay, so alien comes on earth. All right. I said, explain to them what love is. And they'll say, oh, well, you know, because they have these ways. It's patient, it's kind, it's this, it's this, it's this. I said, okay, all right, cool. I said, now, what is sympathy? And they'll say things like that then I start going to words where it's hard to explain. 
And they're like, well, you know, you just know. Like, you know, <laughs> coach, you just know. And it's one of those things that what you're saying right there, you just know, right? I don't need to have a full, when you know about your children, they know that you're the dad. And they know, no, come what may, you're probably the hero in their life. You're the strongest person. They'll probably think you can do things that you're like, I can't do that. They'll come to you just thinking, because you've shown up, you've been that. And that's what God is to us. The problem is, and I tell you this all the time, it comes down to us knowing him. When we know him, the more we know him, the more we can trust him. And the more we trust him, the more it doesn't take me having to do this, as I said, this long thesis, I just know. And I think that's exactly what you said. People fail. He doesn't fail. He won't. And so even if it doesn't feel good, like the word says, I know it's working for my good. And that's enough for me. I love it, Seth. That's awesome. You know, you kind of jumped the gun a little bit talking about what he is. And so I'm going to go ahead and give you that. There is certain questions that I'm going to give. I normally do them at the end, but I'm going to give it now because it goes in connection when you were saying, I know God is our counselor. I know he's these things, even when I do fail. And one of the things to do since storms is that word we've been using when life happens, right? When those moments that I talked about, when those mountains happen, those valleys happen, it's easy to forget that this same God who has done all these things for us, right? Can show up again. It, he doesn't run out. It's not like a genie with three wishes. <laughs> we don't get three blessings and then it's like, okay, that's it. He is ever present and he is willing to be there until the end, even to the end of the world. World. That's what his word says. But it's hard said sometimes and our listeners that are listening, there's times when we can forget because life and that pain overrides what we really can see and know. And so one of the things that I do often is I'll say God is. I do it my God is devotion. And I just begin to say God is. He's my healer because that's what he's been to me. You've heard my story. He is my protector. He is my friend. He is. And I will continuously go Seth. And sometimes it's funny. I'll have to catch myself and like, okay, God, I'm not trying to cut you short, but I do have to get ready for work, you know, <laughs> because he can be endless. There, there's so many names. There's so many things that he can be. And for the call, one of the things I ask the servant leaders that kind of pulls them into the family, it kind of enshrines you into the servant leader family. I'll say God is, and you don't get a laundry list. You only get one. So if I said God mm. is, and I left a blank, how would Seth Olson fill that blank? God is what? I know it's hard because he can be so many things. Mm -hmm. I guess the first one that comes to mind, I'm not even sure this is a word, but God is my forgiver. I like that. Yes, it is. Um, that's, I just, I just think, you know, as, as well as I'm trying to, to do this thing, this life thing and, and lead my family well. And I know I'm just, you know, falling on my face a lot too, you know, where I overreact and, and, you know, whatever, you know, I'm with my kids all summer long and sometimes I get a little cranky, you know? <laughs> and so I know I need that forgiveness. You know, that's something that's top of mind. And, um, you know, and, and I think it's good to model that too for, you know, when I screw up, I not just asking for God's forgiveness, I'm asking for their forgiveness. And, oh, um, and so to, you know, it's okay to mess up is, but it's also important to ask for forgiveness. And so anyways, 
that's, I think that's golden. That's for me. God is my forgiver. That's it. I love it. And that's golden. And isn't that amazing? Because so often that is one of the hardest things for us to do. We'll hang on to it. I'm telling you, we will hang on to it as long as we can, even though he tells us to forgive. But knowing that no matter what I do, no matter how wrong I am, he's going to forgive me. And here's the better part about him being my forgiver. When he forgives, he forgets. When he forgives, it's done. I'm good. We hold on to it as people. We oh, still yeah. look at our past and say, oh my God, God, please forgive me. And God's like, okay. And we're still holding on to the guilt, the shame. And he's like, why are you tripping? I said, you're good. <laughs> you know? And so I love that. I think that's right on time. And said, I think that's the first time we got that one. Mm. So I love it. I think so often we we try to grab for these big pieces and forget not what's because being being our forgiver is huge right i mean that was one of the ultimate things he sent his son for but the the most powerful ones are right there in the midst of our face and, and you called it out for us so i think that's awesome yeah for sure you know this pandemic <laughs> i talk about a lot on this podcast because i i feel that sometimes it was angled differently and that's how i'll say that and what I mean by that is the perception of those who understand how Christ works, much like you've talked about already, it changes a little bit. You know, when you talk about the pandemic with different people, you're going to get different conversations. Oh, it was horrible. And it did this and did that. And yeah. You know, there's some, there's some hard times people have with it, but I always tell people that God is intentional. And there were a lot of times that things were burst in this time, you know, you saw a lot of people start businesses, you saw a lot of people start new ventures in life and things like that. But a lot of the times I hear people talk about the pandemic, the pandemic taught me this. I learned this in the pandemic. So within this time, and I know the world is opening back up in different places, but in that time of the pandemic where you had ample time, right? <laughs> um, what is something, if anything, that the pan pandemic offered you, gained you, allowed you to take away or talk? The first thing that comes to my mind, and I've, I've found usually that's the, the one to go with, <laughs> is <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the, just the need for human connection. And it's just kind of reaffirmed um, how important relationships are. That's the most, I mean, there's nothing more important than that. And, you know, like I think a lot of people, it was really good for a lot of people that don't, uh, don't necessarily get that time at home with their families and they had an abundance of it. Um, we, we spent a lot of time together as a family anyway. So it was almost like, all right, here you go. <laughs> and, you know, it was challenging at times, you know, Oh, I'm going to be home with my kids for six months. Okay, let's go. Um, but I think, I think it, it also not even just that, like, Oh, when people are locked down and you got all this time at home, but even just like the, you know, I don't know how, online much online you know we had a little bit of online school at the beginning of the year and then we were in school but it, you know in, in some districts they were online pretty much all year and i think it showed too in education especially like hey that that connection that social aspect of school is just as important as anything we do uh like academically in the classroom and how important that is to be able to just connect you know some kids don't see their friends outside, especially when some, you know, right or wrong, or I won't get into it, but some 
or like, Hey, I don't want my kid to see anybody or whatever, you know, like, um, that, that connection for no matter what age really, uh, is so critical, um, to, to be healthy, really to be mentally healthy. Uh, cause I think that's something that spiked in a crazy way that doesn't get highlighted. And I think that's, uh, one of the problems of the pandemic. Um, but I think the, on the bright side of that is just the, how important that human connection, that relationship, um, and, you know, and that's not just like, Hey, let's have a big group of friends. Like, I think the everybody just needs at least one that they can go to with everything and just to have a circle, you know, just like, just like Jesus had with his inner circle and, and, you know, a larger circle, like, I think that's, you know, obviously a great model for us to have a close inner circle of people that we can really count on uh, with all the hard stuff and, you know, joys and triumphs and, and also troubles of life that, that we can count on others. And uh, I think this, the pandemic just reiterated that for everybody, in my opinion, uh, how important that is. And um, that's what I got. I think it no, I think you're right. And you hit the head on the, the nail on the head. I was about to switch that around. <laughs> but it's just so funny because it's it's it is one of the things I talk about all the time. And even the word tells us that we like we were created to be able to worship, but also to fellowship with one another. Like his word tells us that. And you need that group when because we do get weary, right? And we need that group that's able to check us and balance us. And you know, our friend groups all are great. But who are those people that you know, even if you don't give a prayer request, they're praying for you. There was a song years ago, and I still like it. It just says somebody somewhere was praying for me, right? I don't know who you are, where you are, but I feel the effects of them. And those mm -hmm. people that, you know, are able So when the pandemic happened, it does. There's sometimes just being around certain people just kind of jumpstarts you again. And it kind of allowed us to seclude ourselves. So I think you're right. And even those that, you know, were introverts, they even were like, okay, I at least like one or two people, <laughs> you know, um, I'd like to see one or two people. And so I think you're absolutely right. And it's just amazing when you, like I said, that perspective, when you're able to look at it in a certain way, it allows you now that we are coming out on the other side of this thing to you know, just really reevaluate some of the things that we do and cherish and appreciate um, relationships a little bit more. So I think that's amazing. Can I ask you a question? Sure. What has the pandemic taught you? I'd like to hear that from you. You know, it's a lot of things. Pick one thing. Honestly, I'm going to give one thing and I'm going to be like you. It was the first thing that came to my mind. So that's typically the one that's right. Um, to be still. And I mean that in two ways. Um, the first way is to legitimately physically sit down and be still. Um, I'm always on the go. And so truly I have been intentional about rest and I'm thankful because now that I'm brewing this little one, yeah, I don't feel like, oh my God, I'm suppressed. I'm used to it by now, but I learned intentionally to be still, just have a moment to do nothing. But I also learned to be still with my prayers. And what I mean by that is like when I ask for something um, one of the biggest things that I received from a minister and a coach was, you know, hey, prayer is a conversation. And so you can pray about things, but then you say amen and you get up. But do you stay still enough to let him say what he needs to respond to you? And sometimes I don't need to take action. Sometimes my response is no response. So 
that's that's been the biggest thing figuratively and literally be still thank you yeah you're welcome <laughs> i love that it's rare that people ask me a question so thank you <laughs> as we you know begin to kind of close there's two things that i do want to kind of talk about before we get off of here and the first one is simply the tagline that i say this all the time and if anybody were to ask me like what is god's mission for this platform you hear me talk about normalizing athletic professionals of faith and we'll hear it all the time i've had a servant leader on here say well you know no one has a problem when they accept the award to say you know thank you god for this award or first give an honor to god but once we get past that line what are we showing like does he show up and it's not in a speaking or i have to write it on my forehead but does he show up in our daily walks boldly and I, it brings me joy a lot of times, and I didn't even mean to use that word, but Baylor, like they create a culture of joy. You see programs that truly are starting to place God at the forefront. But as we work to normalize athletic professionals of faith and faith in the sports arena, what is some advice, if you will, or what are some ways that we can, as listeners listen, coaches and leaders, that they can feel more comfortable about walking boldly in their faith without being ashamed. Mm -hmm. I, so when I was playing football, um, we'd have different different people come speak to us. You know, former players and coaches, and this guy, that guy, and whatnot. And one one of the times when I was with Vikings, we had a former um, NFL safety played like 15 years Rams. Cardinals, Aeneas Williams. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer, played cornerback. Um, anyways, he came, spoke to our team and whatnot, but I knew he was a Christian. I I, I read something about him at one time, or, or maybe I just picked it up when he was speaking. I can't quite remember, but I went and asked him this after, um, you know, because one of the things that was forefront in my mind when I was playing is like, how can I um, be a light uh, or a window and not a wall? to Christ, to my teammates and, um, and on my team. And, and what, I just never forget what he said to me. Um, and it's not, you know, again, I'm not a big, I think you found this out. I'm not a fancy, fancy guy. I don't need fancy stuff, uh, but I, uh, or fancy phrases, but it, it was just so simple. I, but I've always loved it and always kind of held on to that and even given it out at different times and just how you live your life as an example for your teammates. I mean, you just be a light on your team. Like the, the verse that comes to mind is Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your God in heaven. Not glorify you for all the good things you're doing, but glorify your God and give him the glory and the praise and honor and all that stuff. Like for him. And and I think, um, anyway, what Aeneas said, Aeneas Williams said, was just living your life as an example. Like, you know, you just, just got to be yourself. You don't have to um, beat down people's doors and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but just be available to them. And, you know, they'll see that there's something different about you. And they'll see there's something different about your life. And that's something I really try to do is live my life as an example. Again, I'm not perfect at it. I, I uh, you know, sometimes I'm crushing it at other times getting crushed but I think knowing um that you're not perfect and going back and reminding yourself in those times when you're getting crushed and you need to kind of refocus and reset you know and that's forgiving yourself and and doing that um and then remembering why um 
remembering your why, like, why, why did I get into this profession or why did I, um, why do I coach? Why do I teach? Why do I, even as a father, as a husband, like what's kind of the big why for your life and, and, um, and just helping others, you know, one of the whys that I kind of clung on to when I was with FCA was, you know, helping others understand their true identity in Christ. And just, you know, I had a grown up, I was, I had like this worship, uh, or I had this performance-based mindset is performance-based identity. And, but are saying, no, I have a, you know, with, with Christ, it's not about your performance, about his performance on the cross. And, um, and then your unique purpose that he has for you. And there's something unique for each of us. And I think it's a beautiful thing, you know, and, but, but there's also a, a common purpose that we all have, you know, and there's a reason we don't get zapped up to heaven when we're saved, that we're able to continue to um, impress upon people and, and um, help them pursue God um, in their, their own life. And so um, I just think that just being an example for others and being available. And um, I think that goes a long way in uh, things we're trying to do. That's gold. And you hear me say that all the time. Uh, you know, I can't pinpoint where the scripture is now, but it talks about anyone can find the dirt in someone, but find the gold. So people will hear me all the time say, I think that's golden, or I think you're golden. And I think it's gold. I, I do, because it, it's just simply one of the things, something hit me when you talk about being the light, right? You don't have to go and, you know, get a megaphone and like, hey, guess what? You know, it's just being the light. And I just consider, you know, you can walk in a house, right? And there's a light on in a room and no one's there. They used to make my mom so upset. But what does that do? It drew her to that room. No one was in there, but the light drew her to the room. And started thinking about that. It was like, no one was occupying that space. There was just a light on in there and it drew me to it. You know, you could be somewhere and you're going to draw to the light because that reveals itself as opposed to darkness. If I'm in an alley and to the left, there's light and to the right, there's darkness. I promise you, I'm going to go to the left. Why? Because it illuminates to at least show me the way. And that nothing said, hey, go left. I just saw a light. And that just, that vision just came to me as you are speaking that. And I just, that's what I visualized as I heard you talking. No, we don't have to have a megaphone. No, we don't have to be loud and boisterous with it. We just have to be ourselves. And if we're a light, individuals will find their way to the light. That's golden. And there's some, some people are, the, you know, the, not necessarily megaphone, but you, you're being, they're being themselves and they're the more boisterous and, you know, yeah. that kind of type. And then there's some, and and different people need different things and so it's mm -hmm. good that there's all those collection of um just kind of like the many parts one body part in first corinthians you know like there's all different types that kind of fit into the body of believers and that that's what um i guess makes us strong for sure absolutely i mean hey you know positions even in a sports team right we can't have i don't want a team of five point guards i don't i mean i'll make it work but I, I will not have all of <laughs> You know, so exactly. But, you know, I think that's amazing. And I think you hit the nail on the head. And, you know, the last one, of course, this is the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study, where we place faith in servant leadership um, at the forefront and at the focal point of this podcast, just working to show people, right? We always talk about what people should be and what they should not be. But then do we really take a seat back and say, at what point were they shown? 
how was this modeled? You mentioned modeling early in this conversation. How was this modeled to them? And so I truly do know that Christ gave me this platform to be his vessel to work through that. And so one of the things that I do is as I talk to servant leaders, um, I'm on a mission of creating the longest but truest definition of what servant leaders are. So when coaches and athletic professionals and athletes listen to this podcast, it's like, okay, am I truly doing that? When I reflect on myself as a leader, when I'm leading those every day in the classroom or on the sidelines or in, in search or sport or even in the office building, am I doing that? So if I were to ask you, Seth Olson, servant leadership, two words that can take on so many meanings, but I'm asking you, what does servant leadership mean to you? I think being willing to serve um, one another in any way that you would ask someone to serve you. Um, like when I think about on, on a team, like I, I wouldn't, you know, like it's common in football to like make the younger guy do it or whatever. Um, and, you know, um, I, I think it's good to, and this is something I try to impress upon, like my, uh, so I coach, I coach lineman, you know, in football. And so I, I try to impress upon the, like the seniors, like the guys right now, you know, I talked to them this morning about this, like, Hey, you guys are, you know, you're, I want you guys to, or I talked to them a couple months ago during the school year about this, like, Hey, I, you know, rather than when we're picking up the bags or whatever, you know, it comes on these small things, you're picking up the bags. I don't want to make the younger guys do it. I want you guys to step up and lead and do it and serve your teammates in that way. And, you know, that's a small thing, but I think it starts with these small things. And, um, and then as they, and then, but also I, I don't want to just say, Oh, you guys do it. I don't need to do it. Like I'm willing to do anything asking them to do. And I think that's important as a servant leader. Like, you know, it's, you got to be willing to serve in any capacity. There's not, should be nothing above you mm, or mm -hmm. nothing beneath you in doing. Um, but, and then, so that's part of the servant part, but the leader part is to be able to show. And I think showing and, and demonstrating is better than telling, um, being willing to show them what that looks like um, in a, in a tangible way. Um, like what this, this comes to mind as I'm saying that um, Herm Edwards, he's, you know, long time football coach, currently coach at uh, Arizona state. And I remember hearing him say this one time, uh, I think he was on ESPN or something, but he said, talked about, you know, uh, leading from your feet and not from your seat. And I think that's kind of the same thing, you know, where mm -hmm. you need to be willing to, to, to do anything you're asking the people you're leading to do and nothing should be beneath you. I like it. I see how you caught yourself too. I was laughing to myself when you're like, nothing should be. Above you. Well, yeah. One I almost did the hammer in the head and the nail thing. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I love it. It's golden. And it's, it's funny. You, you also answered that with your mantra when you were with SCA. Um, and when you said it, I was like, oh my gosh, that is the true mark of a servant leader. When you said helping others understand their true identity in Christ. And we do that by also modeling, right? I can't tell you to do something and then I don't do it myself. Right. You know, the first thing, especially young people now, especially young people, the first thing they're going to say is, oh no, uh-uh, 
Because if they see you saying, well, they hear you saying this is the way it should be done, they're going to be the first ones to check you. You know, sometimes when I would be in practice and I miss a layup, okay, coach, where's your five push-ups? You know, they're watching to see, and I'm like, you're right. And so I think that that's one of the things that they, they're watching me clean up, but you will see some of them grab the broom out of my hand and do it. But you see that I had no doing it. And that's what led you to come and get it. No coach, give it here. I got it. And that's those things. And so I think it's, it, it's amazing when you talk about that. And the other portion is just being able to help people better them by not just telling, but showing that's golden. That's golden. So this has been amazing, man. It really has. Oh, just, fun. I truly appreciate you. Uh, you know, I, I definitely, you know, can tell why I, uh, John told me I needed to reach out to you so we can, so shout out to him for that connection, but I definitely have learned and grown within this hour. Um, I appreciate just who you are. I really do. I know those young men and women um, at your school are just going to grow and be servant leaders for it. I know those three amazing babies that I hear. Somebody was jamming back there. <laughs> yeah, they got a movie going on in the background. Sorry. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I no, like, oh, I love I'm like, it. Is it too loud? I don't know. Not even close. I love it. I tell people I love that part because honestly, that's life, right? And so the simple yeah. thing to take that time out to talk and make us better um, while life is still going on for you. I appreciate you. I really do. Thank you. Absolutely. Before you go, do you mind closing us out with a prayer? Sure. Father God, thank you for this day that you've given us, God. We know nothing is promised. And so we're thankful for um, this conversation, God. We pray that it would um, not only stretch um, those listening um, and challenge them, God, but thank you for the challenge uh, that provided me. And I just pray that um, you would help us to pursue the calling that you place on our lives, God, um, even when it gets hard, even when it gets uh, messy, as it always does. Um, we need to remember to not grow weary in doing good because we'll reap a harvest at the proper time if we don't give up, God. And I just thank you for that opportunity, God. And um, I pray that you would um, help us finish this school year strong. And we pray all these things in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. You even threw one of my favorite scriptures in there. Galilee. Ah, good. That's another that for a while. For Exactly. Look, that we, we were, as Martin would say, we're here. I'm telling you, it's really been one that's been pushing me forward these days, truly. And we're not going to get weary in that well-doing. So I thank you. My favorite line of the podcast is Seth Olson. You are now a part of the servant leader family. We're so, oh, so glad to have you. We enshrine you. We put you in. On your fake purple and red coat. <laughs> yeah, you man, I really do just for who you are. I thank you for this message and these gems that you dropped today. And if there's anything you ever need, all you have to do is reach out. Thank you. I appreciate you challenging me. That's the, the conversation does. It challenges me and helps me grow. So I appreciate that. For sure. We thank you all for listening. We thank Seth for joining us and we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>